0: Hello and welcome to Falcons in Focus. I'm Oliver Thompson.
1: And I'm Paula Fomes. Coming up on this week's programme, a tribute to His Royal Highness the Prince Philip, latest Covid-19 swab update and the highlights from the half marathon.
0: His Royal Highness the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, died peacefully on Friday the 9th. The Duke had visited the Falcon Islands twice, once in 1957 and again in 1991. We spoke to some locals who remember the visits and recalled their memories of the Duke.
2: Yes, because when when we went away on the, when he was going away on the plane, I was meeting the plane, took him to the plane, and Matthew was up there on his bike, roaring around. And he said to Matthew, "Uh," he said, you got a sister? Matthew said, yes. He said, where is she? And he said, in Stanley. He said, I thought so. He said, I seen her at church this morning.
0: Um, obviously made uh, a mark on us because, you know, it was the first time a Royal had been here since the 1870s. He seemed to be quite a, you know, a genuine guy. He was asked me uh, well how long I would served in the, uh, the FIDF at that particular time, and, uh, and he said oh well, this um, efficiency declaration that you've got is a little bit sort of um, long uh, arriving, and I said yes, well it was presented to it us. Gazetted at the time in 19, um, uh, 1979 I think it was and uh, it wasn't until 1991 that it actually got presented to me. So
1: I can remember just as a child going up to the race course you know and getting all dressed up, m- mother making sure that we had the best um, outfits on you know because Prince Philip was going to be there and and it was great excitement um, and that distinctly remember seeing him on horseback and coming down the race course and yeah, because we knew he was a special person, you know Flags around the Falklands were flown at half mast as a mark of respect and will continue to do so until after the Duke's funeral on Saturday the 17th of April. Two books of condolence will be available for people to sign. One will be located in the porchway of Government House and the other will be transported across camp via the Falkland Islands Government Air Service
0: there was a short parade with a marching detachment provided by the Falkland Islands Defence Force, with His Excellency the Governor Mr Nigel Phillips, CBE, taking the salute. This was followed by a 21 gun salute. Ah!
1: In this week's COVID swab update, there are currently seven positive cases in the Falkland Islands and all of those individuals are in quarantine. The six positive cases from last week were attributed to one member of the flight crew who, although having tested negative before the flight via a lateral flow test, actually did have the virus. We spoke to Kim Finlayson from the King Edward Memorial Hospital about the difference between lateral flow tests and the more reliable PCR tests. PCR is a method of testing that looks for the genetic material of the virus you are looking for. Lateral flow tests are designed to look for your human immune response to the virus being present in your body. There's no such thing as a perfect test. Tests are very fallible to to a number of interfering factors. And one of the the key things we're looking at is that we're sampling from the human body, which is not a stable, consistent environment. You're sampling people's back of their throats and the the, the deep nasal cavity, and you can't guarantee to have collected a good sample every time, and you can't guarantee that everybody's body is going to be working the same way in response to a COVID infection.
0: The chief medical officer is asking people to consider avoiding dangerous sports or high-risk activities due to the current lack of medevac services. Dr Rebecca Edwards has asked the public to take extra care in their daily lives due to the difficulties in arranging medevac services between Chile and Uruguay due to the ongoing COVID-19 situation.
1: In the press release, Dr Edwards went on to say that this is not a directive from the government, but a request from her as the chief medical officer. Dr Edwards said that the hospital had a reduced critical health care capacity at the current time and asked people to exercise further caution in order to avoid the potential
0: for serious injury. The trial of Raj Stapper concluded in the Supreme Court on Thursday. Here's Hannah with more.
3: The jury took around an hour to deliver their verdict of guilty after hearing evidence in a -a two-and-a-half-day trial. Mr Raj Thapper had pleaded not guilty to the charge of sexual assault which had occurred in December last year. Crown counsel Mr Stuart Walker described to the court how Mr Thapper had assaulted the woman while she had slept. An audio recording of a telephone call the following day had been played, where the court had then heard Mr Thapper's voice apologising for what had occurred, although he did not concede to assaulting the complainant. Mr Damien Sabino for the defence said that Mr Thapper had gone to check on the complainant, but had fallen asleep beside her and had woken when the complainant had moved his hand away. He claimed that the assault was unintentional and had occurred whilst he too had been asleep. Mr Thapa had been unaware that the phone call had been recorded and had stated 12 or 13 times that he hadn't done anything intentionally. In closing speeches, Mr Walker said that it was too much to expect the jury to believe Mr Thapa had acted in a sleep-like trance when, by his own admission, he had no history of sleepwalking. The jury found Mr Thapa guilty and he was released on conditional bail and will return to court for sentencing at a later date.
0: FITV would like to thank Penguin News for the additional information in that report.
1: In the summary court on Friday the 9th, Mr David Hills appeared facing one charge of assault by beating. The incident occurred outside the Globe Tavern on Saturday the 20th of February and had been captured on a police constable's body camera. The footage showed Mr Hills approached the victim and then headbutt him. Crown counsel Mr Stuart Walker told the court that the victim, although not willing to make a formal complaint, had sustained minor injuries.
0: In defence, Ms Alison Ingalls said that it had been a complete overreaction and that her client was sorry for it. It had been one blow after provocation and had not been pre-planned. Mr Hills was fined a total of £467, including court costs. Justices of the peace remarked that they had noted his previous convictions and hoped that it was the last time Mr Hills would appear before the court.
1: Here's Hannah with more from the summary court this week.
3: Mr Brandor Haware Porcar had been part of a fishing crew and had decided to leave the vessel in order to get home to his family in Peru. He appeared in court on Monday afternoon and pleaded guilty to three counts of theft. Crown counsel Mr Stuart Walker told the court how the police had received a report of burglary at a ground floor flat where jewellery and money had been stolen. The money was in Filipino pesos and the police investigation found that a Peruvian fisherman had attempted to get the money exchanged at a local shop. Once the police had located Mr Huare Porcar they also discovered a stolen dash cam and a stolen mobile telephone in his room at Lookout Lodge. Mr Mark Neves defending said that his client had been trying desperately to get home and thought that if he raised the money he would be able to take a taxi to the airport and catch a flight to Peru. All the stolen property had been returned to the owners, except for a ring which was missing. Mr Neves said that his client had apologised to all the people involved and was very distressed. Justices of the peace said that they were aware that any sentence they imposed must reflect the impact on both the community and the individual victims. The Falkland Islands is a trusting community, they said, and burglary is rare. Mr Haware Porkar received an eight-week suspended sentence, and Justices of the Peace remarked that were it not for the duty of care to seafarers at this difficult time, the sentence would not have been suspended.
0: And in the summary court on Wednesday morning, Emma Jaffray pleaded guilty to two counts of theft. Miss Jaffrey had been employed by the government on a year's contract, and when she tidied her desk, she had taken a notebook and a USB drive belonging to the government. These items were not empty but contained sensitive information, which wasn't available to the public. The second count related to a time when Miss Jaffrey had been working at the Customs and Immigration Office and had removed a file.
1: Defence lawyer Miss Alison Ingalls said that Miss Jaffray had taken the items thinking that they were blank and that they could be reused, and she acknowledged that she should have checked. With regards to the file, Miss Jaffray accepted that there was no legitimate reason for her to have read the file. Miss Ingalls said that her client had only been 19 at the time and simply did not grasp the seriousness of taking home government property.
0: Justices of the Peace said that they would be considering a low-level community order and requested a pre-sentence report to be compiled. Miss Jaffrey was released on conditional bail and were returned to the court later in the month.
1: There's just over seven months before the next general election here in the Falkland Islands to vote for the next eight members of the Legislative Assembly. We spoke to MLA Mark Pollard about what advice he would give to people considering standing as an MLA.
0: But anyone who is interested in standing for election, we're, um, we are running workshops at the moment, your government and new workshops, and, uh, and it's, it's not just about those standing for election, it's about those who are just interested in finding out more about our government and how it works. But, um, but certainly, if, if you're interested in, in standing for election at all, then then come and see us and come and talk to us. and um, We're not... Uh, you know we're not a scary bunch. We'll uh, we'll quite happily sit down and uh, and, and give you uh, give you our views on the process, what's and all, and uh, and let you know what you're getting yourself into. But I would just caveat that and say you say at the end that um, it is by far and away the most rewarding job I've ever had. So if you're um, if you're considering it, then uh, then there's there's a lot of positives to this job um, as, as well as some of the negatives that are often more publicised. The Cape Pembroke Half Marathon has been a staple of the sporting calendar for many years and is normally held in February, ahead of the standard chartered marathon in March. This year, however, saw a series of weather-related issues, which meant the half marathon was postponed until last Sunday.
1: The course itself started outside the Narrows Bar, where we spoke to some of the competitors before the race. The event had been postponed several times due to bad weather, but it was just in time for Daniel Coker, who was about to leave the islands. Is this your first Cape Pembroke hem- yes, half marathon? Yes, yeah, it is. And is this, a normal, is this your normal distance?
4: Uh, I've done 10k or 21, but yeah, I've also done marathons, so yeah, i feel comfortable with this.
1: Sally Ellis has competed in quite a few running events over the years, and more recently as a walker. Uh, not your first time though is it no it's not no put myself through the punishment a few
5: times
1: (laughs) is this this the right distance for you um well it depends
4: on the training really but i'm just a sucker for punishment so and my competitive spirit gets the better of me so yeah i don't mind it though it's quite nice just get into your own zone and And what time are you looking at today Oh, well, I think around two hours I'll be happy with because I've done no training at <laughs> all. So, I think around two hours I'll be, but um, I was quite tempted to register as a walker and a runner and then I just thought, oh, it's sunny and calm and I'm always complaining that I only like running in calm weather so I thought I had to give it a go.
1: This was the second half marathon for Amanda Kupfer. You've
6: done quite a bit of training for this? I have done quite a bit of training. Um, I guess... Probably the most training I've ever done, so we'll see how that goes. I'm glad, the, I'm glad it's finally happening, um, we've had a few delays I guess, but um,
1: it's a perfect day. Walker set off at 8.30 with runners starting an hour later.
2: Get, set, go!
1: By the time they reached the bypass the field had started to spread out, with Tristan Steed leading the way and Brendan Lee settling into a pace a little way behind. The course left the tarmac near the airport and deviated from the Cape Pembroke track to an off-road section around the lighthouse. There were two relay teams comprised of children who broke up the distance between them. We spoke to Laura after her team came over the line. Just finished a half-month and how'd you feel? Tired. (laughs)
2: Um, But proud with my team. Stuff, yeah, yeah. And so you did it as a team how much did you each have to do? Have uh, 5k. Um, yeah we did 5k each I think. Around. And did you run the whole thing? Uh, all of us ran the whole thing but in parts. And do you know what your time was? What a job. No. Uh, I think I have got it. Yeah, around an hour and uh, 56 minutes. Oh, amazing! So do you think it went well? I think it went well, yeah. And uh, will you do
1: another run soon? Maybe. Tristan Steed came in first place with a time of one hour, 22 minutes and 22 seconds. So Tristan, you've just
2: won the uh, half marathon. How do you feel?
1: Uh, yeah, pretty good, yeah. And
2: is it the first time that you've done this marathon? It's the first time I've done competitive running in the Falklands, so I know it was a really, really good event. How did you feel about the course and the, and the day? What's your sort of overall thoughts about it? I could not have asked for better weather, it's absolutely incredible weather. Um, but I was a bit surprised with the cross country section of the course, I had no idea what to expect. But Falklands have been to Falklands, I sort of aimed off for just about anything, so I know it was good. So had you not done the route beforehand, had you not didn't know what you were getting in for? No, no idea. No, I knew that it would be a, a headwind on the way back in, but apart from that, on the way out, it was yeah, it was a bit of a surprise with the cross country section. And is half marathon normally your distance, or do you prefer a different one? I prefer longer distances generally. Sort of going into the marathon, going to the ultra. It's a shame that the I think your marathon has been cancelled a few times. so that's been a bit of a shame.
1: Brendan Lee came in second place with a time of one hour, and twenty-four minutes, and seventeen seconds. So Brendan, you came
2: second in the marathon this year. How do you feel?
0: Uh, I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. I just didn't have much left in my legs for the last six, seven kilometres, and that's usually where I wanted to go faster. But I just couldn't.
1: And you're doing it with an injury this year as well, i not
0: you? It's only a very minor injury, it didn't bother me at all, it, I was just more worried about it beforehand.
1: Amanda Kupfer was the first woman across the line with 1 hour 46 minutes and 4 seconds. So, first for your
2: finisher of the half marathon, how would you feel? Out of breath, <laughs> but very, very happy. And what
6: was your time, do you know? I think it was around 1.45, uh, like a little bit over, which is what I hoped for. So. Yeah, quite pleased. It was
2: hard. How do you think the run went?
6: <laughs> it went well. It went well. It was like there's hardly any wind, but you can still feel it on the bypass. It's crazy, but um, yeah.
1: Daniel Coker finished in 22nd place with one hour 54 minutes and 39 seconds. Yeah. How would you feel? Really,
6: run.
4: <laughs> really good. Really good. It was really enjoyable. I'm really tired, more than expected, but good.
2: Yeah, and how did you, did you think it would go? this while or how do you think it was, well,
4: going? I thought it was going to be more comfortable towards the end but I think actually the off road is quite <laughs> challenging but I'd really enjoyed it which is good I was you know running for fun if you know what I mean
1: and Sally Ellis managed to get in just under two hours with one hour 57 minutes and 46 seconds so Sally happy with
4: your time yeah just under two hours so yeah it was a nice day amazing views going down to the lighthouse and uh no whales spotted but yeah please it's done
1: <laughs> tell me about that change of terrain because i know some runners are a little bit it, it, it can be a bit rocky can't it
4: yeah um well coming round um onto the sandy bits after the lighthouse is um, hard on your legs and that and um then that kind of semi-road surface and gravels quite horrible when you're feeling a bit tired it's sort of okay on the way down not so nice on the way up but um yeah, there's some. It's it's just a picturesque course, and you know, breaks it up. So
1: yeah. And and it's just the wind has just started to pick up. So that good for you runners. Uh, well, I'm not a fan, as
4: anyone who knows me will will know. But um, it makes the bypass the slog up the bypass seem quite long. But it is nice and cooling. It's nice when you finish.
0: <laughs> Fiota's youth theatre performed The Last Witch by Rona Munro which tells the story of the last woman to be executed for witchcraft in the British Isles. It is based on the historical account of Janet Horne, the alleged witch of Dornock in the Scottish Highlands, who was executed in 1727. We caught up with director Claire Plummer at the dress rehearsal.
6: Today we're doing a technical and dress rehearsal for The Last Witch, which is the first um, youth production here in Stanley that we've done for a long time. Um, It's a cast entirely with fixed students, so we've got students here from year 9 all the way up to year 11, um, and they have all the main roles. Um, There's no adults cast in it apart from the people behind the scenes.
3: There's
5: no peas, there's no bread,
6: The rehearsal's going really well. Um, we've been working really hard, mostly at the weekends and in the evenings, trying to really develop the characterisation. Um, it's quite a heavily dialogue play. There's lots of duologues, lots of monologues, um, and it's really very demanding for young people. You know, they've had to do an incredible amount of line learning, which is you know, very difficult on top of other, other commitments like work experience and um, exams.
1: Just, just give us a brief overview of the play itself.
6: Okay, the play is based, it's it's a fictional retelling of a historic event in Scotland, which is the last burning of a witch. Um, And it's basically exploring the reasons why women were accused of witchcraft. Um, There's undertones of kind of... um, the type of society they were living in, um, the, the, the difficulties living in that kind of society as, as for example, an unmarried woman um, trying to raise a child. Um, it's, so it's kind of based on old ideas but there's really modern, significant themes there which are worth exploring.
1: Bargains Galore has been part of the community for 20 years this year. To mark the occasion, the trustees and a band of volunteers held a special event at the Seafarers Mission, one of the charities which has benefited from the proceeds of the shop. One of the founding members, Anya Bull, told us how it all started and former chair of the trust, Theresa Lang, told us about the difficulties they faced in the early days.
5: 1999 I was decided, uh, diagnosed with cancer with Hodgkin's lymphoma and I said if I ever recovered um, I would like to set up a charity shop so luckily I did and um, it was a, an idea that I had and also an idea from that Viv Perkins had we put the idea together with the three churches and came up with a three churches committee um, she came up with the name Bargains Galore and we decided that this is it, we will start a charity shop. We opened on the 7th of April 2021. Um, the first day took over 500 pounds, which, you know, 20 years ago was a lot of money. I have to admit that
2: there were lots of people who said, we don't need a charity shop, We won't have anything. And yet, an islander had said to me years before, we need a charity shop, and I said, oh yeah, okay, fine. Never thought that I would be engaged or part of it.
5: We help five local charities consistently and we also give to sort of random charities like one-offs here and there. Just money that is desperately needed to help people. We sell, we don't refuse anything. um, And it's just the most magnificent thing. People go there, We've had people go there every single day it's open for, just for the company, for, you know, it's just the best thing and I'm so so proud of what we've achieved
0: If you'd like to watch Falcons In Focus, you can either watch via the KTV platform or go to our website, fitv.co.fk and follow the instructions on our channel tab
1: That's it for this week's Roundup, join us again next week, goodbye